say the game is getting old. Monday morning and your coffee's cold. Life is not what you want it to be. You need another chance. Hello everyone and welcome to A New Direction. My name is Jay Izzo and oh man do we have a great show for you today. I am telling you what this is so much fun this is right in my wheelhouse this is the area that i love just to study more than anything else i am with doctor yes the doctor thelma lobel she wrote this book entitled entitled whatever works but i'm going to tell you something all right because here's the what's in it for you all right because we've talked about that here's what's in it for you do you know that there are little things Little things, little things that are going around in your office, like how your office is organized. Light, uh, the kind of light, colors. Uh, how about your smartphone, which may not make you so smart if, after we talk to Dr. Lobel. But here's the deal. There are little things that are happening in your office that are affecting your productivity, that are affecting your performance, and not just you, but your people. You are going to want to listen to her give you the research Yes, the research that demonstrates that, you know what, there's things going on in your office that you could be changing that could be increasing your productivity, increasing your performance. I'm telling you, it is awesome. She is awesome. She is fantastic. She is outstanding. She is warm. She's lovely. And here's the other part. She's in Tel Aviv, Israel right now. How awesome is that? Tel Aviv. Oh, I am telling. And she is so smart. Oh, 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 yeah. You better pay really close attention because she's brilliant and you're going to love her to death. But before we get to Dr. Thelma Lobel, let's do what we do every week. And you know what that is, right? I walk you through your training. I want to ask you, how's your training going in the four areas of your life out there, right? You know, look, we're four-part people. We're physical people. We're mental people. We're emotional people. We're spiritual people, right? And right now, we're in the midst of this pandemic thing. And so, you know, what we know is that when we are under stress, when we are really under all sorts of stressful situations or we're tired or we're exhausted, here's the truth. At the end of it all, you're only as good as your training is. And if you haven't trained well, right? If you haven't practiced well, if you haven't been doing the things you're supposed to be doing in the four areas of your life, you're just, you're going to be whatever you've trained to be, right? So let's go through the four areas of your life, all right? So physically, right? What do I mean? What's your training like physically? Well, I'm certainly, how's your exercise regimen going? But also, how is your, how are you eating? Are you eating well, right? Are you drinking enough water? Are you getting enough sleep, right? Are you getting enough sunlight? Vitamin D, right? Those type of things are so critical, so if you were to tell me on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being um, my training is just not very good, Jay, 10 being my training is so good, it's awesome, how would you rate how you're doing on your training every day? And and listen, here's the deal. 5 is average. Now, the point of this whole exercise that I do with you every week isn't that I'm trying to get you from a 3 to a 10. The whole point of the exercise is for you to check in to go, what do I need to do to improve? How can I improve my training? What can I do? Do I need to do I need to take an extra walk with the dog? Do I need to just take an extra walk? Do I need to get out in nature? Dr. Thobel will tell you, she Lobel will tell you, she, you know what, that getting out in nature can do amazing things to de-stress you, right? And improve your productivity. She's going to talk about that and, and when we talk to her. But you could be doing all sorts of things to improve yourself physically. So on that scale of one to ten, how are you doing? And then you got to ask yourself the question, what can I do to improve what I'm doing? All right. So there's your first number, all right? Second number, mentally, right? So what's mental training look like? Well, I'll tell you what mental training looks like. Mental training looks like this. If you read a book, right, where you're challenging your mind, where you're challenging what you're thinking, when you're challenging, you know, what is going on in your mind, rather than letting things come at you, right? It's so easy to let the news just kind of come at you and you're really not mentally challenging yourself. Whereas if you're taking an active role in your education, an active role in improving your wisdom, an active role in improving your knowledge, an active role in your understanding where you're really working, right? That's improving your mind, right? And I don't care how old you are. You could be, you could be listening to the show and be six or you could be, you know, 90, right? Your mind can still work if you were willing to take an active part of that, right? So on a scale of 1 to 10, right, I'm asking you out there, 5 being average, how is your training going when it comes to really 
your mental training, right? And then same question, what can you do to change it, right? So you got two numbers. You got a physical number, mental number. Now the third number is emotional. And you go, Jake, how do you train yourself emotionally? Well, I'll tell you how you do that. If you've ever driven in traffic and somebody cuts you off, what's your response? Mm, there's your there's your emotional training, right? Is your first is your first emotional response, well, that so and so, or is it, huh, well, maybe he's having a bad day. Well, you know what, I did okay. Right. See, that's those are opportunities to train yourself emotionally. Okay. The the other piece of training yourself emotionally is tapping in to the emotions of others. How 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 willing are you to listen to the emotions of other people? Right? See that that's all part of emotional training. Right? When when we can understand the emotions of others. When when we can when we are willing to listen to the emotions of others. And then when we're able to label them accurately. Right? Which means that you can improve your emotional grammar. That's all part of emotional training, right? And so how are you doing with your emotions? How are you doing keeping your emotions under control? You, you know, I used to tell my psychology students when I taught psychology in, in college, I used to tell my psychology students, here's, here's the truth about emotions. You can kick me in the shin as hard as you want. The truth is I have a choice how I want to respond, Right, so so what happens is emotionally, what we forget is that our emotions, we have a choice. I don't have to respond the way that people think I should respond. I don't have to respond that way. I have a variety of choices available to me that I can choose to respond in an emotional way. Or not an emotional way at all, right? So how you, how's that training going, right? Scale of 1 to 10, right? 5 average, you got that number. So you got three numbers, physically, mentally, emotionally. Then finally, the spiritual realm, right? And you go, Jay, I'm not really spiritual. I'm not a spiritual guy. I'm not a spiritual girl. I don't believe in the spiritual stuff. Yes, you do. And you don't even realize you do, right? Because if you remove the physical, the mental, and the emotional, what do you have left, right? And, and, and so what happens is you, we go, well, I'm not really spiritual. But the truth of the matter is, do you have plans for the future? Yes or no? And everybody's shaking their head. Well, yeah, of course I got plans for the future. Well, if you have plans for the future, that means you have faith. And if you have faith that those things are going to happen, that becomes spiritual, doesn't it? Now, here's the other thing. Spiritual, the spiritual piece also has to do with what gives you a center, what puts you at peace, what, what, regardless of what's going on, what can give you right at the heart of who you are centers you down. Now, for some people, that's God. For some people, that's meditation. For some people, that's nature. There's, there's a variety of things that people try to use that give them that sense of peace, right? We've, we've heard music touches the soul, Right? Matter of fact, Dr. Lobel's going to talk. We're, we're probably going to get into some music because that's going to be a hot topic. But the truth is, music touches us in a way that's really we can't really see or really truly understand, but we try to. But it does touch us in some some way that's just different than the physical, the mental, and the emotional, right? So then you have to ask yourself a question: How is that? How is that routine going for you spiritually? And then you need to ask yourself a question: Is it working for you, right? And then what do you got to do to change it? All right, so you have four numbers, right? Physical, mental, emotional, spiritual. Think of those like the legs of a chair. If the legs of your chair are uneven, you know what happens? Your posture gets bad, and you're, you're in pain, right? By the same token, if your chair's too low, it's hard to eat at a normal table, isn't it? Right? Speaking of someone who has all four of her areas all together, I'm going to tell you what. Her name is Dr. Thalma Lobel, and she is a professor of psychology at Tel Aviv University, and she's an author and a lecturer, and her newest book, which we have here on the show, is called Whatever Works, The Small Cues That Make a Surprising Difference in Our Success at Work and How to Create a Happier Office. Her previous book, by the way, also excellent, which is called Sensation, The New Science of Physical Intelligence, uh, has been translated into a bunch of languages, uh, too many for me to read, actually. Uh, she's the chair of the School of Psychological Science and the Dean of Students of Tel Aviv University in Israel. And uh, her research focuses on two main issues, really, embodying cognition, 
the influence of physical and bodily sensations on our decisions and emotions, judgments and behavior, and gender differences and gender roles. Her work has been published in all sorts of prestigious journals. Uh, she received her all of her degrees, actually, from the University of Tel Aviv. She did her postdoctorate at Harvard University. She was a visiting lecturer at Harvard University and also a visiting scholar at the University of California, San Diego, which happens to be her favorite city, by the way, is San Diego. I learned that in the book, too, by the way, and she's smiling at that. And uh, she she literally lectures around the world uh, to employees and executives of various companies, such as high-tech banks, the general public, and her topics include everything from interview skills, success at work, creativity, happiness at work, influence of the physical environment and bodily sensations, judgments, emotions, and behaviors. So ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show and welcome to a new direction, Dr. Thelma Lobo. Welcome, Dr. Lobo. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I am delighted. You know, I love this book. Uh, I, we, before the show started, I told you that I just absolutely just love this book, and I, I really, truly do. Um, it, it is something that's in my wheelhouse, you know, studying psychology in grad school and and just loving human behavior and how th- certain things affect human behavior. Before we dig into this book, I got a general question, though, because something occurred to me as I was reading this, because I, you know, having taught psychology for over 20-some-odd years, uh, I would bring up the, this re- these different pieces of research. And there was o- there's always the students who say, well, that's not me, right? And then you start talking to humans about the, the human research that you do, right? And we'll talk about a number of things. Or you'll say something about music with words or music in the background or lyrics that you know, and you'll say something to the effect of, well, you know, it's affecting you. And they'll go, oh, well, not me. Not me. It doesn't affect me, right? Why is it that as, as humans... We want to believe that we're the exception to the psychological research. Why do you think that is? Well, first of all, I think that everybody wants to feel uh, unique and doesn't want to feel that uh, he or she are affected by external uh, factors. People usually believe that others are affected by external, but they, me, I am affected by something more substantial like my personality right so that the others are affected but it's a very well-known uh, phenomenon and uh, but on top of that i have to say that you know everything that we'll talk and that all the studies in psychology are based on the average uh, i mean they are comparing one group to the other right one group that was uh manipulated by some factor behave differently than the other group that right. doesn't mean that everybody. Right. We have to always to remember, I always tell that to my students. When I talk, say that uh, on some subject, uh, men are different than women. It doesn't mean, doesn't mean that all men are different right. on that factor than all women. There are more men that are on that side, more women on that side. Right. So we are talking about a statistical difference. Right. But still, but you're absolutely right that people usually think that I'm 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 the different one. I'm more unique. My personality is what's important and not what you are doing to me. <laughs> you, it's it's really true. We we just feel that we are, and I think that's part of it, right? I think it's what you're saying is that we all want to believe that we're just uniquely different, and we don't want to be categorized into the it's same part of the group and that's right. it yeah 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 it's it's i just find it funny because it's it goes without fail that there's always going to be some there's always going to be a whole bunch of students who say well this is not true that's not true so let's just dig right into this because i want to dig right into your book because in in chapter one um uh in chapter one one of the things that you start talking about is whatever works at the office cues in your environment and so let's talk about the how the office layout actually influences our productivity. You talk about the differences between open and closed spaces. Yeah. And, and actually, you have a subtitle called Open and Closed Spaces. Which one is better for you? So let's talk about that. So w- what did your research find out in terms of office layouts, what, what works and what doesn't? Most, uh, most studies that they were conducting with that found that uh, on the whole, it's better to have a private office rather than an open space. Uh, and the best thing and many companies do that lately, uh, is to combine the two, that you have like a, a, a open space, but people who need to work on something that they need really to focus, they have also some private offices that they can go. Because I'll tell you, uh, in open space, 
they found that people complained mainly about the noise and about uh, lack of privacy. Mm -hmm. These are the two things that uh, people keep complaining. Uh, for example, uh, one of the things that really disturb a lot of people is phone talks by colleagues because it was found out that when you hear a phone call that you hear only one side of the conversation, it interests you because th that person says, wow, you don't say. And you say, what's the other person say? <laughs> and, and if you, you hear both sides, you see it's not that interesting, you don't listen so on. So, they know, so a lot of people do, you know, like they put headphones or listen to music. Uh, they, they also found that unlike what people thought, when they did the open space, people don't interact more necessarily in open space. They write more emails, but not necessarily interact. One of the reasons could be that everybody can do everything that you, that you do with whom you're talking or who, who went to which cubicle. So the combination uh, is the best thing, you know, that more and more they modeled of. But uh, now that a lot of people work from home and I will be glad to talk about that, that's less relevant to a lot of people now during the pandemic. And the other things that I talk in the book are very relevant to those who work at home. And we can talk about it. Yeah, we, we, well, let's get to that. I want to, but I want to talk about, because you talk about flexible spaces. I think the piece of research that probably really should fly in the face of people is that, you know, we keep building these open floor plan spaces but the truth is, thinking that we're going to increase interaction, but the truth is, it's actually less interaction. Exactly. There was a study just recently that showed exactly that, that it did not increase interaction. It's easier for the companies because it saves space. You know, if everybody has his own or her own uh, private office, you need much more space. But they paid cer certain price, and that's why they decided, a lot of companies, that even though there are open spaces, they should also build many private offices and, and and there is like the whole chairs that it doesn't have to be only your office, but at certain times and certain tasks, this is your office and you sit there quietly. You, um, yeah. yeah, this is what this is the other thing I loved about your book. Uh, by the way, the book's called Whatever Works uh, and we're with Dr. Thelma Lowell. Uh, one of the things I loved about your book is that you give tips in the book of things that you can do. Yeah. Uh, throughout the yeah. course of the book. I love that, by the way. I love that you made this book very practical. And I think this is what people have to understand is that, that yes. Was, I think, yeah, sorry. I, my idea when I wrote this book uh, was exactly what you said. On the one hand, it's based solely on studies, published in top journals. Or that. But after every idea, I give the tip what you right. can do with these findings. Right. Which usually, uh, you know, when you do just research and publishing in general, uh, good, excellent journals, don't give the tips. <laughs> that's really, I mean, that, that's yeah. That's really that's really really true. Uh, we're with Dr. Uh, Thelma Lobel here on a new direction. We'll be right back after this. Hey, folks, you know what? You know that I have two great sponsors, right? And I talk about them constantly. And one of them is Epic Physical Therapy, and. I love them. I go to them. I use them. I still get injured from time to time. And sometimes I just go to them because I just feel like I'm not moving the way I really want to move. And you could say, well, you're getting older. Well, I don't, I don't accept that. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I want to move, continually move better and, or at least have the best movement that I possibly can. And, you know, so here's the thing. That's what Epic Physical Therapy is all about. They work with people like me, but they also work with elite professional athletes, right? And he, it's really cool because I am getting to work with the physical trainers that work with professional athletes. And they, you know what? They take care of me just like they take care of them. And they help me be better, move better, feel better. And they help me in everything that I want to do. I still want to be able to lift weights. I still want to be able to do, you know, hard walks and trails and things like that. I still want to be able to play golf. I still want to be able to do all the things that I did when I was much younger. But I want to be able to still do them at the very best that I can. That's why I love Epic Physical Therapy. Because here's the deal. They, they really do customize a treatment program that's tailored to your individual needs. And listen, and because they work with professional athletes, they really understand the need to treat the entire body as a functional whole, not just your symptoms or your injury. So look, if you're looking for epic relief, epic recovery, and epic results, don't look any further. Just start with epic physical therapy. You can learn more by going to epicpt.com. That's E-P-I-C-P-T.com. 
And Linda Craft and Team Realtors, you know what? For 35 years, they've been helping people around the world buy their home or sell their home. And you say, well, well, hold it. I thought they were located in like the Research Triangle Park of North Carolina. Well, they are. But here's the thing. This is how they do it, right? So because they're independently owned and operated and belong to, they don't belong to like a, you know, national firm, they created relationships all over the world with the best possible experts in whatever area you live in. So when they make a recommendation to you of who that expert is, you can be assured it's not somebody in, you know, that belongs to the same firm. Nope. They literally have sought out the absolute best in your area to help you buy or sell your home. And and you say, well, how they do that? Well, it's because they created relationships with these people over the course of time in 35 years. A lot of relationships you could create. It's the same practice that they do with their customers. They create the relationships one at a time. They develop them. They maintain them. They nurture them. They grow them, and they stay in touch with them. That's why Linda Craft's customers say that their customer service is legendary. So when you're ready to sell your home or you're ready to buy your next home, don't look any further. Start with Linda Craft and Team Realtors, and you can learn more by going to lindacraft.com. That's L-I-N-D-A-C-R-A-F-T dot com. And we're back here on A New Direction with Dr. Thelma Lobel, and uh, we're talking about her book, Whatever Works. Uh, by the way, available Amazon bookstores, also available in Audible. It's also available on Kindle. Uh, so there's a variety of ways you can listen to the book uh, as, as well as read it. Um, I'm, You know me, I'm a big fan of not just listening, I'm a big fan of reading, and so you, you really should read this book. Um, I have, it, I know you can't see it, those who are listening, but I have marked this thing up like crazy <laughs> i have marked it up like crazy i've i told uh i told dr lobel i've got 39 pages of notes and so for the next three days we'll be doing the show so she's not gonna be going to sleep i'm teasing i'm teasing of course that i'm not i'm not afraid <laughs> she's not afraid she should be she should be afraid. So let's talk Let's talk a little bit further about this, because you brought up a topic that I think is near and dear to everybody's heart, and that is we're living in this pandemic right now. And so, uh, you know, offices are not something that we're going to, and it may not be something that we're going to go back to uh, in a very long time, and possibly not ever. So what does the research tell us about working, working from home? What should we know? Well, we should actually, it's, I'm very glad you asked me that because what happens is that offices will not disappear. Of course, after the pandemic, I'm sure a lot of people will go back to offices, but a lot of people will continue working from home at least part of the week. Uh, so the disadvantages uh, of work, I mean, the advantage, let's start with the advantages of working from home are mainly saving commute, especially for those who you know travel for a long time to go to work. And for people, uh, many people, not all people, it's a quieter environment. Continue what we talked about, uh, about the open space for those who work in open space. But even those who work in uh, private offices have all the time people that come and call them, let's have coffee, I want to ask you a question. At home, unless you have kids that don't go to school now because of the pandemic, which is another issue. But if the, the kids went to school, you can really work quietly, but what you have to do is several things. First of all, designate your own place. You can work all over the house and that's fine from time to time. You can lie in bed with, uh, with, a, a, with a computer, with a laptop, that's fine, nobody sees. But in general, designate a place that will be your office. It's very important. The second thing, and that relates to probably questions that you want to ask me later, Try, if you can, at, at home, to find a room with a window for two reasons. The first reason is that artificial light is worse than a daylight. And if you can have natural light in your office, always choose that room. Because natural light is not only that you see better, because you can see with fluorescent light or any light, but it makes you perform better, more vivid, and less fatigued, less tired. And there are many studies that show that. So always, even if you look at the computer, like I'm looking now and I can see the screen very well. So I can say, eh, what do I need the light for? I can, if I have a window, I can close it. If I, I'm in Israel now, it's, la, it's night. So there, it's, it's really night now. So I, I am with the light, but during the day, it's sometimes tempting, you know, turn off the light, 
close the window, I can see the screen. Don't do that. It makes you more tired without noticing it. I mean, when you notice it, you don't know it's because of it. So first, of, so that's the first. Second thing is the view. If you want me to talk about the, the nature now, or I can go later. Well, no, so, so let's let's let, let me just say something because you just said something before you go on to the because it's subtle, and they may people listeners may have missed this. We don't really always know how we're being affected by our environment. Exactly. I, 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 we take it for granted that we are in such control of everything that we feel, everything that you know, you know, I'm that you know, feeling tired, for instance, right? People do not understand that just having real light will make yeah. you feel less tired. I, I don't. I think we can miss that subtle point that there's things in your environment that are affecting how productive and what kind of performance exactly. you can have. So let's let's talk about. So now now let's go to the nature piece and talk about how that okay. helps us in productivity. Sure. But thank you so much for for stressing that. That's exactly that because there are many things in our environment that we. They are under our nose. We, 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 we don't miss them, but we don't know that they affect us, like right. temperature and light and all that we talk, and the effect and colors, and they affect us much more than we want to believe. And once you know their effect, you can control them, you can manipulate them, and have better performance and reduce the stress, as we'll talk during this uh, interview. So nature. Uh, this is not only the view from the window, but I'll, this is a starting point. There are many studies that show that uh, nature is not just beauty, you know, that you enjoy the beauty, but it really has an effect, a strong effect on two things. It reduces the stress, which relates to what you start your uh, show every time, that we need really to reduce the stress. And the second thing is that it enhances our performance. So, for example, there are many studies I can I can describe some of them that, they, for example, were, were done in Japan that they took people to various forests, and all the time they uh, they did it again and again. Each time they took two groups. One group was sitting in the forest, one in urban environment, and they, they told them to sit and, and view the, the nature. Then they told them to take a walk, and before they came and after the set and after the walk. They took their blood pressure, they measured their cortisol, which is the uh, anxiety hormone, stress hormone. Uh, they, they, they measured all kinds of physiological factors to see whether they are stressed or not. And again and again, it was found that those who sat or walked in nature were had lower uh, stress compared to those who did exactly the same thing, but in urban environments. So these are, and there are many studies like that. There are, there are other studies in the United States that were asked people to take a walk, a longer walk for about 15 uh, minutes. Uh, one was done in Stanford, uh, either uh, along the campus near a park or in urban uh, environment. And again, they measured uh, their physiological, they asked them how they felt and they found again and again that though the nature reduced stress. So that's especially now in the pandemic that a lot of people are stressed for various reasons. We are afraid to be sick. We, uh, some lost their jobs. Some are afraid to, that they might lose their job. A lot, lack of control, contradictory messages. A lot of things that make us uh, more stressed than usual. Yeah. Take a break, sorry. No, yeah. the, no, no it's just, here. here's the thing. And you talk about this in the book too, that it, it doesn't have to be just, you know, walking in a forest. I mean, if you're near the ocean, the ocean seems to have the same effect, right? That's what I wanted to say, yeah. Yeah, and then and then you there's even research that says when people were vividly imagining walking exactly. through uh walking through they were able to reduce Yeah. Exactly. I, 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 thank you. I just wanted to say that that if you have the chance to First of all, it doesn't have to be forest. It can be a park, it can be a small garden, flowers, trees, beach, river, anything. But suppose, so if you have that uh, around you, go and take a break. Even if you don't feel tired, if you have, you have a lot of work to do, take a break because it will enhance your performance. So take a break and walk a little bit or even look at it if you're too tired to walk. But as you say, Jay, so sometimes, 
my office or my house is in an urban area and I don't have any park or anything. In that case, you can look at pictures, you can look at the internet, you can do an imaginary walk via the internet. There are studies that showed, that they showed people a stressful video. And then to uh, some, they showed, uh, they, they let them walk, imaginary walk uh, in the internet. You imagine your walk in nature. And the others watched uh, other uh, pictures, nothing to do with nature. The those who watched, uh, took an imaginary walk, reduced the stress. Mm. And moreover, you can listen in the internet to nature voices, uh, waves, waterfalls, uh, birds, that also helps. So if you don't have a chance to go because you don't have any nature around you, do that, but really, really uh, connect to nature. It really helps. Her name's Dr. Thelma Lobel. This is her book. I know you can't see it, but it's called Whatever Works. It, it's absolutely fabulous. Uh, it's filled with tips, um, and and we're just talking about a few of them right now. Um, and uh, you're listening to her new direction. And uh, I want to I want to get to something that is my wife and I argue about all the time. So I'm going to put you on the spot, right? Are you ready for this? Uh, dangerous sport. All right, here it is, here it is. We argue about temperature. She says, I'm too cold, and I go, I'm too hot. Now, this is a common problem, not only, you know, between husbands and wives, but this is a common problem in the office. Exactly. Right, yeah. because temperature affects how we perform. Talk about how temperature affects our performance in, in tasks, certain tasks. So. Uh, there are many studies that show that uh, the best uh, temperature is between 68 to 72 uh, Fahrenheit, uh, which is uh, 20 to 22 Celsius. Right. And uh, within this range, or if I take the optimal range with a little bit wider, it's better to uh, be a little bit cooler than a little bit warmer within this range. That means that if you raise the temperature because you are cold above 72, every degree will decrease a little bit your performance. So uh, the best thing is to remain in this uh, area of 68 to 72, that you feel comfortable, but don't make it too hot, too warm even, because if it's, it's you feel that you are uh, warm and it's nice, but then you will feel tired again and you won't know why. Yeah. And that will affect your performance or your next performance. You, you, but speaking about between you and your wife, <laughs> this is a very common thing in general, <laughs> but about the temperature, there are many studies that show that men always feel that they are, uh, you know, they, they want to raise, uh, to lower the temperature. In the, I, I've been in many uh, meetings where most were men, and I know already, I take a sweater in my, in my purse. I'm talking about summer because they they make it so cold and, and it's a very known fact that women always suffer more than men that it's too cold the office is too cold uh, one of the reasons is that they, they if you have your private office or right or you sit at home you can control the temperature but if you have something that you can't control because it's something in the building there are lots of fights about it and because it was it was designed men at that time yeah you, you know I, I find it i find it interesting that you know you talked about that actually we we seem to do better in cooler temperatures than we do we, we become more tired in the warmer temperatures but i thought it was really interesting when you started talking about negotiating yeah that we'll talk about how as it gets warmer uh, that actually <laughs> if you're negotiating with someone you probably actually want it warmer right exactly exactly uh, people know that, you know, that they, what, what people usually know about temperature is that whether I feel comfortable or not, but they don't know, I think, uh, how it affects uh, performance, but they definitely don't know how it affects conformity. It was found that people, uh, the, the warmer the room is, the more co you're conforming with the other person, you only agree with them. So if you are negotiating and you are the one who controls the room, Make, make it a little too warm, not too much, because there is a better chance the other person will agree with you. It's... On the other hand, if you have a discussion group okay. and you really want brainstorming, you want each one to say his or her own opinion, 
don't make it to war because then they will agree with the first person and you don't want that. <laughs> Oh, right, 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 right. So if I'm trying to have a creative meeting, cool it down so I can get everybody talking. But if I don't agree with each other. Right. But if I but if I need somebody to agree with me, turn the heat up. (laughs) Not too much. As I said, that will be uncomfortable. And also, so that's true. There were many studies that show that. And also, there was one study, for example, that when they put a little bit too warm, people and they gave people to... Uh, to analyze a problem which had many factors and they had to think about all the combination that didn't perform well in, in the hotel temperature. It was too difficult, you know, to, to, to do. So when you sit alone, you can control the temperature, do that. And if you are sitting and negotiating, remember, make it a little bit warmer for the other person. Uh, her name is Dr. Thelma Lobel. Uh, the book is Whatever uh, Works. It's a, it's an absolutely fa- fabulous book. All right, so you divided this book up into three sections, and uh, the second section was entitled Whatever Works for Your Team, Surprising Factors That Will Change How We Work Together. I thought that one of the really interesting things, uh, and, and of course, I, I think everybody's heard the statistics that, you know, in about, we get a, an impression of people in about the first seven seconds. Uh, we make a in less than a tenth of a second, I've heard it as much as um, three hundredths of a second that we de- yeah. determine if somebody's trustworthy or not. But here was the one, the, one of the pieces in that section that really got me, and I think we we dismiss it, and that is the the importance of the handshake. Talk about why the handshake is so important and how it really influences you know, how we may be perceived or, um, matter of fact, it could influence how you get your next job. Yeah, but you know, this is one of the chapters I don't talk, I hardly talk, because it, during the pandemic now, nobody shakes hands. <laughs> That's so Excuse true. Me. It's true. So actually, it's not. It's not. So, uh, yes, and I, I think for a long time, people won't shake hands. Seriously. Right. Oh, wow. uh, so, uh I, I think it. I think it. I think it happens a little bit. Okay. Well, let's let's skip that one. But right, because I mean, right. I'm not thinking about that. We're in a pandemic. But let's skip to the chameleon effect, because I love the chameleon effect, right? And yeah, that, uh, mir- mirroring yeah. how others fit in. Because I've even seen this on Zoom calls, where you people, could, yeah, right. Where I, I, John Barg and Tanya Chartrand, uh, um, I oh, think I they were both that. at New York University at the time. They talked about mimicry or the chameleon effect. Talk about how the chameleon effect works and, you know, when it should be used and how it how it affects us. So, uh, first of all, for those who don't know uh, what it is, it's mirroring the other person. If somebody touches his or her hair, so I also touch my hair. If somebody sits with the, the heads crossed or the legs crossed, you do the same thing. Like I'm doing now with Jay, so those who see me. <laughs> They want Jay to like me. So that's the thing. <laughs> I love you. So, uh, <laughs> so the thing is that uh, people, without noticing it, unconsciously, mirror the other person's uh, behavior. As I said, small things like touching the hair, moving the sometimes they repeat also verbally what the other person said. And it was found, and that's the interesting thing, that uh, without noticing it, you like more the person who does it, who mimics you, as long as it's not too bland, if it's right. subtle. And, and there were many studies that showed how an interviewee who, who uh, did that compared to somebody who did not mirror the other person, that he was liked more, the one who uh, mirrored the other person. Also, there are other studies that show that people helped more, those who mimicked them, who uh, did similar behavior. So that's that's a fact. Now, how can we use it? So if we want people to like us in an interview, for example, or in negotiation again, when we want the other person, whether we are negotiating with the boss about salary or about a promotion or about with our colleagues or in interview, do it very subtly. Don't overdo it. But when the other person touches his hair or her hair, touch your hair, cross your legs very gently, and that may help. Yeah, did I? You know, here's the thing. You know, the chameleon effect or mimic, mimicking others. It, it has to be subtle, but it you because you know you can of course go over the top and 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 it can 
be a problem and people recognize that, that can be uh, the other way around yeah right exactly. because we can be inauthentic inauthentic yeah. about it uh, her name is dr thalma lobel uh from Tel Aviv, Israel. That's right. She's all the way from Tel Aviv, Israel. She's listening to her, to her here on A New Direction. Hey, folks, listen, I want to talk about, uh, you know what, my two favorite sponsors, right? Um, Epic Physical Therapy and uh, is one of them, and they are awesome. I love them. I love going to see them. Look, they offer the most advanced, top-of-the-line equipment, including the, the anti-gravity treadmill. It's called the Alter-G. unbelievably awesome takes the pressure off your joints if you're a runner i happen not to be one but if you are a runner i'm gonna tell you it really does take the pressure off and you can go ahead and you can run without feeling that pressure and that jolt they also have the normatec compression sleeves have you ever wanted to just have something just put pressure on your joints and it just makes you feel like you can just you're stronger well they've got these sleeves to help build your strength and and they're fantastic and then there's the game ready and i talk about it every week how much i love the game ready but really seriously it it is ice cold compression at the same time and it really does take the swelling out of your joints and your body and it, it's fantastic and i love it they are trained yes they are trained. Not only do they have the, the best equipment, but they are absolutely trained and certified in the most comprehensive cutting-edge treatments available. They really are. And I've used, I think I've used pretty much all of them, like blood flow restriction therapy, dry needling. Uh, if you've never had that, it's great to take out swelling. And then cupping, which is the little circles that sometimes you see on the back of swimmers where they're manipulating the muscle through the skin. It's fantastic. So look, at, when you're ready for your epic relief, epic recovery, and epic results, don't look any further. Look to Epic Physical Therapy, and you can learn more by going to epicpt.com. That's E-P-I-C-P-T.com. And Linda Craft and Team Realtors, 35 years in the real estate business. And you know what? They're still going strong. They're still at the top of their game. And that's almost unheard of over 30 years, but they still are. And you know why? It's because they still do the same things that they've always been doing. And you know what that is? They develop relationships with people. Because what they understand is that, you know, your home may be the largest purchase that you ever make, but the truth of the matter is, it's where your greatest memories are made, is your home. Think about it. You know, when you think about going to your grandmother's house, do you really remember how much she paid for that house, or do you remember the memories you had with your grandmother? Of course, you remember the memories, right? And she understands, her and her team understand that those memories are the most powerful things because those memories will last a lifetime, more so than the price of the home. And so she wants to get to know you, get to know the memories, and get to know that home so well because she wants to treat it exactly the same way you want it to be treated, which is why her customers call her the legends of customer service. So when you're ready to sell your home or buy your home, why not tune into the, the relationship, the memory makers? Why not Why not check out lindacraft.com? Start there. It's L-I-N-D-A-C-R-A-F-T dot com. And we're back here on A New Direction with Dr. Thelma Lobel and uh, her book, Whatever Works. And we're talking about the subtle things that happen inside of our offices, inside around us that just really do create a major difference in how we may perform and and how we interact and and all sorts of things. It's it's an absolutely fabulous read. And uh, so I'm going to move us down the line here, if you don't mind, a little bit. I want to talk uh, a little bit about um, anger, all right, because sometimes, you know, anger, especially in negotiations, right, I I mean, I consult, you know, I I coach and consult companies, right, and uh, a lot of times when there's negotiations, you know, sometimes people can be angry in the negotiations, they feel like they've got to put on the face and they got to get really, really angry and they've got to just, you know, bam, bam, bam. And they got, but that's not necessarily going to work, is it? Well, first of all, in general, it's better to be in, with express positive emotions. That will definitely help. So that's general, you know, people will probably come to better concessions if everybody is in a positive emotion. But there are many cases, like you say, that you're, you get angry. Right. Whether the other person makes an unreasonable offer or completely doesn't agree with what you think is a very reasonable thing or talks not nicely or many reasons to be angry. And the question is, what would you do with this anger? Should you express it or not and in what way? Right. So first of all, one factor is that it depends whether you are in power position, in a powerful position or not. 
if you, there is a negotiation and you're in a powerful position, for example, you know that you have many uh, offers and they will be happy to have you if it's an interview or if you want to sell something and you know there are many, many buyers, then if the other per you can express your anger. And the other person, because when you express an emotion, the other person can express either a similar emotion mm. or the opposite emotion, right. which means if I'm expressing anger, the other person can also express anger, which is not good, <laughs> or express fear because he or she are not in a powerful position. So first of all, remember, what is your position? Are you powerful or not? But if you do express anger, two things. First of all, express the anger towards the offer, not towards the person. That's very important. You can say, I'm very disappointed. I'm very angry that this is your offer. It's, it's completely not invisible. Don't say you are, you are whatever, you yeah. know, you're- Don't make it personal. Don't make it personal, right? Don't make it personal at all. Talk about the offer and, and express your anger. I'm very angry that you offer this unreasonable offer, but don't say you're a schmuck or whatever. The other thing is, even if you do angry, you, you express your anger, don't shout, don't lose it. Right. Show that you're angry, you can see it on your face, you can, but don't shout, don't lose it because that will bring just the opposite. So in general, if you are angry and you are in a powerful position, you can express it towards the offer, not towards the person and not lose it, don't shout, or lose, but show your anger. If you are in a less powerful position, right. try not to show it. Try not to show it because it will. The other person might be angry back, and that will lower your chance for good concessions. Yeah. So then you can just say, you know, maybe you can think about something, but don't show your anger. So as I said, you have to consider your position, and right. then, and if you can, sometimes you, you can't control the anger. I mean. Well, I, where we well, well, I talk about that, right? I mean, emotional control. I talk about your training. You know, exactly what you said in the beginning. That's exactly that. Even if you are angry, try to control it, especially if you feel that it will hurt you. It will hurt the negotiation. Right. right. But if you are in a powerful position, say, but also control it. Don't right. shout. Don't do, just say, I'm angry that you are, that this offer is really completely unacceptable. Yeah. I, I love that. I, you have, you had in section three uh, entitled Whatever Works the Power of Personal Habits. And I want to hit this one because, you know, this is this is one of the most controversial uh, things out there is, and, and matter of fact, you had a subtitle that uh, you had, and it was, uh, I think it was entitled like um, Smartphones and Cognitive Performance, and I wanted to entitle it Smartphones Make You Stupid, and uh, <laughs> yeah. because, because, and you talk about, matter of fact, you talk about uh, I, I thought it was funny, and I just want to just point this out. This is how, what kind of sense of humor she has. So she actually, she actually brings up in the book fubbing. <laughs> if you've never heard of P-H-U-B-B-I-N-G, it's called fubbing, and what that is known as phone snubbing, right? Where somebody, you're talking to somebody, and they have to look down at their phone, right? Phone snubbing. So she talks about uh, smartphones. I want you to talk about, because I found the research fascinating, that the smartphone really doesn't help us at our work so much, does it? it you know, everybody knows that uh, our life in some ways became easier when we can look at the email, we can be reached everywhere we are, we can look, check the, the mails, we can send the documents, all the things that are related to work. Okay, but while we are working, it, it's more disturbing than anything else. For example, there was a study that they they invited several groups to, uh, to a room and the uh, experimenter just by chance put her phone on one on some of the people's desk and the, uh, on the other desk she put something else. And then, do, and then they gave them some cognitive tasks. Those that had the phone on their desk performed worse. But in another study, they divided the uh, participants to three groups. One group was told don't bring anything into the room, including your phone, leave everything outside. The other group was told, bring only your phone and put it on your desk. 
The third group was told, bring all your belongings, but put your phone either in your bag or in your pocket where you usually put it, not on the desk. Then they gave them cognitive tasks. Those that had the phone on their desk performed worse than the other two groups. Those that had the phone outside the room performed the best. But then the researchers said, maybe even though they didn't use it, they checked the, the messages, they looked. So they told them to turn it off and they did that again. And guess what? Even when the phone was turned off, those who had the phone on their desk performed worse mm. than the other two groups. Which means that just the existence, the mere existence of the phone next to you, even if it's turned off, disturbs your performance. So my tip is when you're working on something important or that you have to focus, take the phone, put it in another room. So if you work in, in, in at home, that's very easy. If you work in the office, put it someplace that you don't see it. And then work for an hour at least, don't take it. If you are expecting an important call, okay, so after an hour you can check see if you have important messages or, or but don't put it even next to it even if it's turned off and you will see you can have your own lab psychology you will see that you perform better it disturbs even if it's turned off it's unbelievable you, you know what's interesting about this research that you point out in the book and i thought found this to be fascinating it wasn't just their phone when the when they also the phone of the experimenter, yeah, right. The experimenter put their phone. It wasn't even these people's yeah. phone, and they still did worse having exactly. the phone the phone next to them. Exactly, it's it's not their phone, so what do they care about the messages? And still, it disturbs. Yeah. So people people don't realize it. They really have to take the phone out of their sight while they're working on something important. Yeah, I think there was I think there was another piece of research, as I recall in there too that you talked about people put their phones next to your bed by the way i have a habit of putting my phone next to my bed um uh, and it's it's a it's a horrible habit but i think wasn't it didn't you point out that there was a piece of research done that people who put their phone next to their bed they actually don't get as 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 good enough sleep sleep. right yeah Uh, uh, yeah exactly any screens actually when you uh, also computer but especially phones uh, if you do that just before you get you go to sleep, and some people you know do it for an hour or two, just you know work on the phone, they, they sleep worse than those who do not do that. Which of course we know that sleep, as you were talking at the beginning of your show, it's so important. People right. sometimes don't realize how sleeping uh, normally in certain hours depends from person to person. Right. It makes you less tired and less uh, nervous and, and, and less uh, productive and everything. So if you can, don't even if you put your phone, but don't work on it just before you go to bed. Don't yeah. do that. Yeah, well, there was, there was something else that you talked about that, that you, you pointed out in the research about looking at, like, um, I think it's tablets or phones, right? The, the experiment was they had people, like, read from a tablet – and then read from a and book. Compared to read from a book, exactly. And yeah, and it, it, again, it disturbs their sleep. So uh, you said when you recommended uh, my book, you said I love uh, reading, you know, with real books. A lot of a lot of young people read only from uh, the Kindle or that, which you know, it has its advantages. You don't have to care when you travel so many books right. and you can do search. But before bed, it's better to read in, in a real book. Yeah, yeah, because people, because evidently, I don't know the, all the pieces of it, but evidently, looking at the phone or looking at the tablet versus looking at looking at the book is really, um, really affects how we end up sleeping. I found that just fascinating. Yeah, yeah. So, and a lot of people don't realize that, and this is, for example, a piece of information which is so important. Just tell that because some some people will. Do it less. Mm. It will help their sleep. Let's let's move on to one that's going to be a little bit touchy too. All right, and this is chapter twelve: the sound of music. What happens when we listen at work? Right, because yeah. there's going to be a bunch of people out there. You know this, Doctor Lobel. There's going to be a bunch of people out there going, "I got to listen to music when I work because I am far more productive when I listen to music in the background." It depends, yeah. It depends. They know which which type of music exactly. Let's talk, um, talk about that. 
First of all, there are many individual differences. I, when I have to focus, I don't want to listen to any music and I love music. And I know how it, it, it's greatest effect music, really, on our emotions and our performance. The best thing uh, from studies is that, listen, if you have to, to work on something that you really need to focus and to think and analytical thinking, put the music before you start work. And don't put sad music, but rather something uh, you know happy and something that you like before. I, I'm stressing that before you start working, then turn it off or put something in the background if you like it. That is not the most not disliked and not mostly liked. Mm. Something kind of neutral. Don't put right. something that you really like, then you will pay attention to that rather than to the you focus on your work and don't put something that you completely dislike because again, you'll pay attention to it. Yeah, I think, uh, I think... It also depends, just one more thing, yeah. depends on the task. Uh, there are many tasks that uh, you can put, like there are more proofreading, uh, you know, things that you don't have to think so much, much more just to, to, to read the, the thing and to see if there are mistakes or something. Or then music is, is fine. If you feel that you are more productive like that, do it. As I said, again, don't do something that you particularly like or particularly dislike, but something more neutral. Yeah, but I... if you focus on something more uh, that you have to think more, I, I personally uh, find it disturbing. Yeah, I, I like, you know, I, you know, I read, you know, a book a week for the show. And so I don't, I cannot have words. I cannot have music that's got words. Right, and and I especially and I especially cannot have music that I know every word to because the next thing I know, I'm no longer reading. Singing, yeah. I, I'm no longer reading the book. I'm singing to the to the tune of the song, and I'm not focused on what you know the person has just written. Right. By the same token, if I hear a song that I just can't stand, I am so distracted. I cannot. I, I I'm like I got to turn the station. I stop reading so I could turn turn the music because I don't want to listen to that music anymore. I think that's the point. Is is that exactly. the, the, depending on the task, we have to be extraordinarily careful. Do, do you realize we've physical, been... if you do something physical, that's good to have uh, with with right. words and everything. And there are many studies that show that once you put a fast music that you like, you perform better physically. You run faster on the on the treadmill or whatever you do. But when you work on the computer and say again. If you want really to focus or to read a book, that you want to focus on what the, the person that wrote the book said, right. uh, it's, it's difficult to hear music unless it's really in the background something that you don't, you're not from particular familiar, and it's and so some people like it. But before, I, I want to stress again, before you start working, listen to for five ten minutes to something nice like Mozart or something, it will it will help. It will increase your emotions, and that will increase your the book uh, is entitled Whatever Works. It's absolutely fantastic. Uh, we have been on together for an hour, and it has gone so fast. Uh, being yeah, I enjoyed it. I have yeah. so I've had so much fun with you. You have been uh, an amazing guest. I want to just th- thank you so much. Um, so, folks, listen. This is this is the show, right? I I mean, she, was she great? Was Dr. Lobel great? No, she was better than great. She was absolutely fantastic. She was awesome. Get the book, whatever works. Get the book, whatever works. Listen, folks, you know what I say to you every week, and that's this, right? Be inspired, because when you're inspired, that means that you can inspire others. And when they're inspired, that means that they'll inspire others in turn. I'm going to be back next week with another great show, another great guest, and we're going to have another great book. And you know what I say to you every week, and you know what that is? Ciao, everybody. To go a different way, yeah. The time has come for a new direction. Survive. This is your